0: Thank you, worship team, for leading us into the presence of God this morning. Isn't it good to be in God's house? Amen. Amen. Always enjoy singing praise unto the Lord because He's the one who's worthy of our praise. I love that last song because it just speaks truth straight from the Word of God. The Bible says in James chapter 1 and verse number 17 that all good things and all perfect things come down from the Father of lights. That means every good thing we've got, we've got it because God gave it to us. Every one of them. Even down to the breath that we breathe. And so when we're singing in that song, it's His breath that's in our lungs, and we're going to use it to give Him praise. That's truth. And that's what makes it powerful. And uh, wow, what a blessing that is. Now, I was in a... A church years ago. Take your Bibles, if you will, please, and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. I was in a church years ago, and we had revival services that went from Monday through Friday um, all week long. And so it had been announced night after night that we were going to be taking up an offering for the evangelist that Friday night. and uh, And so the pastor of the church kept announcing that day after day. And so it came time that Friday evening to take up the uh, love offering for the traveling evangelist and um, they passed the offering plate and the pastor went up and looked at the offering plate after they had brought it back and set it up at the front he said men come back up let's take that up again and handed uh, the plates back to them and they went back and took it up again and so uh, they brought it back and set it down he looked over the plate again and evidently he decided that wasn't enough steel and so he said guys come back up and they took it back up again now Folks, that's one way of doing it, I guess. I'm not sure that I agree with that. But uh, I I do want to say that wasn't what we were doing a while ago, all right? I I wanted to make that clear to you. I forgot to announce this morning, today is the last Sunday that we're taking up the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And so that first offering, we know, was our regular tithes and offerings. And then that second was for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, which goes... Uh, to the spreading of the gospel all over the world. That goes to funding missionaries in Africa and China and wherever else you can name all across the globe as they preach the, gl- uh, the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So thank you for giving to that. I think last week um, we had a total of around, uh, Miss Agnes, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think around $800 dollars Uh, that have been given so far. So thank you so much for uh, just doing what the Lord wants you to do and having a heart for missions and spreading the gospel. But that's what that was for. This morning, according to the Scripture, we're going to look at what it means, again, to get in shape. Now, any time that you hear the words get in shape, especially around the new year, you automatically think of that which is physical. Most of the time we do. Well, I want to tell you, Uh, From last week to this week into the next two or three weeks that we're going to be in this, my focus is not uh, going to be on the physical near as much as the spiritual, even though it's not a bad thing to get in shape physically speaking. It's not the most important thing, but it's not a bad thing. I think if you want to have a better quality of life physically, that you ought to take care of yourself physically, that you ought to do what you can to get in physical shape. But that's not our purpose in this study. Our purpose In this study, it's not teaching how to get better in shape physically, but in shape spiritually so that we might be what God has called us to be uh, as believers. And when you put those two together, when you compare the two, whether being physically in shape or spiritually in shape, there's really no comparison. And the Apostle Paul speaks that in 1 Timothy chapter number 4. Take your Bibles there and look with me in chapter 4 at verse number 8. He says a whole lot about how we ought to be in shape spiritually. We looked at several verses last week about, and he compared the Christian life to that of a runner. And he said if we're going to run the race, we've got to run all of it and we've got to run effectively. And we know that if a runner physically is going to run effectively in the race, he's got to be in good shape. So we as the people of God, if we're going to run our race, to live the life pleasing unto God, to be what God wants us to be, that we too have to be in good shape spiritually speaking. Well, he speaks more about it here in 1 Timothy 4. Listen how he puts it. He makes a comparison between being in shape physically and being in shape spiritually. He says in verse number 8, for bodily exercise profiteth little. Now he says it profits little, but notice it does profit. It's not a bad thing. I mean, it's, it's a useful thing. It's needful for all of us to have better quality of life again if we stay in better physical condition. But he says that profits little. But then look at the next part of this verse and how he compares being in shape physically and spiritually. He says, but godliness or being in shape spiritually like God wants us to be. He says, it's pro- it's profitable unto all things. Now this morning, I want everybody to say All things. Now, what does all mean, church? We've talked about this several times. In the Greek, we know that all means what? In the Hebrew, it means? In the English language, it means? I don't care what you're talking about. All just means all. And so Paul is saying that when physical exercise profits little, spiritually being in shape or being godly in all that you do will profit in every area of your life. If you believe that this morning, say amen. It makes a difference. It makes a difference in who we are and what we do and the impact we have day by day wherever we might be. Whether it's at our workplace or at our home or at school or at the grocery store. That wherever you are, you can impact people positively for the kingdom of God if you are walking in a godly manner. Can you say amen to that? We need to be in spiritual shape. Each and every one of us is what Paul is saying. Listen, I think he's making it very clear that we can be in peak physical condition and still not be what God wants us to be spiritually. We can be in peak physical condition, but still not be a husband that loves his wife as Christ loves the church. We can be in peak physical condition and still not be a father who who is raising his children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We can be in peak physical condition and still not be the disciple that we've been called to be according to the Word of God. And so, listen, he's also saying, though, that we can be in less than optimum physical condition and also be the the, the men and women God wants us to be, spiritually speaking. The same is true on the flip side of the coin. We can be what God wants us to be, but it has to be because we're in shape Spiritually speaking, we're living in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. Then he says something else. He says it's profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is. He's saying that being godly or being in shape spiritually, listen, it profits the life we're living right now in the present, but it also that which is to come. <laughs> How many of you know that what we do for the kingdom of God not only affects our day-to-day lives, but will echo throughout all eternity? See, folks, when I die and leave this walk of life, it's not going to matter if my blood pressure is right where it was supposed to be or I could bench 500 pounds or I I run a mile every day. (laughs) What he's saying is none of that is really going to make any difference when I die and leave this walk of life. But what you do for the kingdom of God, brothers and sisters, it means something. It will echo throughout all eternity. And so the Apostle Paul says, Godly living, being in spiritual shape, being what God wants you to be, and doing what God wants you to do, makes all the difference now and throughout eternity. And then he says something else. Look at the next part of this verse in verse 9, or this saying that he gives us. I love how he puts this. He puts it very well. He says, this is a faithful saying. He said, it's worthy of all accept, acceptation. So he's writing to Timothy, whom he calls his son in the faith. And Timothy is now the pastor at the church at Ephesus. And he says, Timothy, you make sure that you stay in shape spiritually. Physical exercise profits little. But you live a godly life. This is a faithful saying. And it's something that will help you in everything that you do. Now, folks, if it's a faithful and worthy saying for Timothy, how many you know it's for us as well? That God's word is a living word and applies to our heart and our life today. And so let's look at being in shape. Let's get in shape, spiritually speaking. We said that we were going to use shape as our outline. We're going to talk about S and H and A and P and E uh, as we go through this. And last week, if you remember, we said that S stands for spiritual gifts. Now, if you here this morning have been born again, you know you've been blood-bought. You know that God the Holy Spirit has given you a new heart, done a work on the inside that's making a difference on the outside. If that's you this morning, say amen. amen. Well, praise God. I want you to know, if you've been born again as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have been gifted spiritually by the Holy Spirit Himself. Every one of us. You, me, and everybody else that's been born again has spiritual gifts, according to 1 Corinthians 12, 7. All the brethren have been given, the Bible says, the manifestation of the Spirit. God works in us and... God works through us to accomplish His good will and purpose. Now, we are all many members, individual members, of one body. And God the Holy Spirit has gifted each member with a spiritual gift so that we might be effective in our work in the body as a whole so that the body might accomplish God's will and purpose which is to be the hands and feet of Jesus all over this world. But for all of that to happen, All of us have to be working together, walking in, working in our spiritual gifts. If you believe it, say amen today. You're a gifted child. You're a gifted bunch if you've been born again. The Holy Spirit is willing and wants to do a work in your life so that you might be a blessing to the whole body, and so that the body might be a blessing into this lost and dying world. I can do what you can't do and you can do what I can't do but together we can all do great things. God has fitly formed the body and placed us right where He wants us with our spiritual gifts so that we might be effective. You're here for a reason, brothers and sisters. Do you hear me, child of God? It's not by accident that God's placed you at Mount Zion. And let me say this. If God has placed you here, get in here and get busy. Bless God, we need you. What are you waiting on? It don't have to be that church and that pastor. It can be your church and your pastor. It don't have to be what that church is doing. It can be what we are doing. So if God's led you this way, praise God. Let's get busy in this thing. Let's start operating in our spiritual gifts so that we might be effective in our individual ministries. And so that the body might be effective in being the hands and feet of Jesus. If S speaks of spiritual gifts, then H must speak of heart. Of heart. Now what do I mean when I say to have heart? Heart. It's really hard to explain. I've talked to my son and both my daughters when as they're playing sports that listen, you don't ever have to be the most gifted. You don't ever have to be the strongest, the fastest, the most I have the most agility. You don't have to have any of that to be effective in playing sports. What you have to have though is have heart. You've got to be passionate about what you're doing. I remember when I was in high school playing ball and and we had this young man, I'm going to name his name, but he had all the ability in the world. Man, he had speed and, and he had quickness and he had size even and he could have been a fantastic ball player. But guess what? He hated football. just wasn't his thing. The only reason he was playing because his dad was making him play and so he hated every minute that he was out there, had all the ability in the world, had all the gifts in the world. But because he was not passionate about what he was doing, he wasn't a good ball player at all. He wasn't effective in his individual work, and he wasn't effective in helping the team win. Can you say amen? amen. But let me say something else. There's another young man on our ball team. Some of you may know him. He's a good friend of mine in school. His name was Eric Kimbrell. I love that brother right there and still do. He brought a weight. He's about 5'2, 5'3, weighed 140 pounds, soaking wet. But I'm telling you, if there's been ever anybody who had heart and passion for what he was doing, he had it. And he became one of the best ball players I've ever been around simply because he was passionate about what he could do. Listen, he didn't worry about what he couldn't do. Amen. He worried about what he could do, and he did the best at what he could do. Now listen to me, child of God. You need to quit worrying about what you can't do. And you need to start worrying about what you can do and do it with passion. If we're going to be what God has saved us to be and do what God has saved us to do, we got to do it with some heart. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, listen to me. Let me me give you just a little food for thought. This is really not my message this morning, but I want to share this. Lord, put it on my heart earlier this morning. We need to concentrate more on being than doing. For if we will concentrate on being, the doing will take care of itself, and it will be done effectively by God's power. A lot of times what we do in service to the Lord, we concentrate on the doing. We'll work as hard as we can work to get the job done. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. But we work and we work and we work and we work. And listen, folks, if all you concentrate on is the doing, then guess what's going to happen? You're going to get burned out. It's going to become mundane to you. It's going to become more uh, like something you have to do than something you get to do. (laughs) You ever been there? In your service with the Lord? When you get to the place where it's not that you get to come to church as a privilege that you have to come to church because it's an obligation. It's a dangerous place to be. But we've got to to, to combat that, to come against that. We've got to concentrate more on being. What do I mean by that? In the being, it's in the being that we get to experience the Lord. Can you say amen to that? I talk with Him daily. I walk with Him daily. I learn from Him daily. I experience Him not just on Sunday, but praise God on Monday. He's with me not just in the pulpit, but was with me in the car riding down the road. Wherever I am, whatever I'm doing, that's the being. It's in the being that we abide in Him and bear the fruit that God has called us to bear. It's in the being that we relinquish our will to His will. It's in the being That we are able to effectively do the doing. Amen. (laughs) And all of this has to be with passion. Take your Bibles and I want to show you what passion looks like in Acts chapter 1. Just one verse that I really want to look at this morning in the first chapter of the book of Acts. And it's verse number 3. The Bible says, to whom also he, meaning the Lord Jesus, watch, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by infallible proofs. Everybody say, passion. By infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So what Luke is writing here, he's saying after the passion of the Lord Jesus, He was seen alive. How many you know He did die on a cross? He did go to a grave. But He's not there anymore. By the power of God, He was raised to walk in the newness of life. And the same power that raised up Jesus now abides in the believer to help us walk in the newness of life. So... The Bible says he was shown alive, praise Jesus. He's not dead. He's not on the cross or in the grave. But this happened after his passion. Now, the word passion here in the Greek is the word paschos. And what that means is suffering. Now, I love what this is really saying. What this is saying is... Because Jesus was passionate about His purpose that God the Father had sent Him to accomplish, He was willing to endure the suffering that started in Gethsemane and went through the cross at Golgotha. But He had to be passionate about what He was doing to endure the hard times, the suffering. For if He wasn't passionate about it, he would have never endured the suffering and the, listen to me now, God's will and purpose for his life would not be accomplished. Does that make sense to you? And all of that started in Gethsemane. We, we looked at that when we studied in the book of uh, John, we went through the book of John. A- and in Gethsemane, we know the word itself means um, olive press. Evidently, in that garden where Jesus prayed before he was arrested and ultimately went to the cross, listen, there was an olive press there. There were olives all over, olive trees all over the Mount of Olives, where that was located. And so they would bring the olives from the trees, put them in the press, and the olives would be crushed so that all the oil was uh, produced from them. All right? And so there was a crushing that took place in Gethsemane. What is the picture? Spiritually speaking, the picture is this. Jesus went to Gethsemane to begin the crushing. And I believe in Gethsemane. As Jesus prayed and said, Lord, not my will, Father, not my will be done, but your will be done. And as he prayed and the Bible says his sweat became as great drops of blood, the pressure of the sins of all mankind was already being put upon his shoulders. He was already being crushed. And Luke is saying, because he was passionate, he was willing to endure the suffering. God himself was willing to leave his throne in heaven and endure that for you and me. He endured the suffering in Gethsemane, but it didn't end there. He was ridiculed by the Sanhedrin, found guilty in the mock court. That was a mockery of Jewish law. Sent to Pontius Pilate. Pilate had him scourged. Punished. The Bible says on the pavement by a Roman lector. A Roman lector was a professional. At torturing people. That's what he did for a living. Now if I'm a professional fisherman. Guess what I better know how to fish. If I'm a professional fisherman. I don't know rider, I better know how to ride. If I'm a professional, whatever, I better know what I'm doing. So the man who whose profession is to torture others, he knows how to torture. And Jesus was handed over to that Roman lector at a place where the Bible it calls it the pavement. And he was tied there to a whipping post. And that Roman lector took what's called a cat of nine tails, a a, 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 a handle, a leather handle with nine individual cords coming off from it. And inside each cord was sewn bone and glass and iron so that when the lector would take it and put that across the back of the Lord Jesus, listen, that uh, bone and glass and iron would stick into the flesh of his back. And when he brought that whip back, not only came the whip, but flesh from the back of the saviour. So much so that Bible historians tell us that Jesus was beaten so badly that it would have been possible to see the inner workings of his body. Tissue and muscle and skin ripped from his back. The Bible says in Isaiah 52, 14, That he was marred more than any man. That his visage or his countenance. How he looked. He would have not even been recognizable to those who knew him best. After the scourging. The punishment. That he endured. He would have been a quivering. Bleeding. Ball of flesh. That even those closest to him. Would not have recognized. Why did he do it? i tell you why. He was passionate. He was passionate about fulfilling the purpose God the Father had sent him to fulfill. He then went to a cross. Spikes were placed between his... Or excuse me. Then he endured this. I forgot this. I was preaching revival services last year over in Tennessee. and A young man made this for me. would not that good? But... Uh, the the Roman soldiers who were charged with punishing Jesus were mocking him and they said, Well, if he's the king of the Jews, then he needs a crown. And so they made a crown of thorns and they took that thorn, that crown of thorns, and pressed it into his skull. Why did he do it? Well, he is passionate, brothers and sisters, according to Acts 1 3. Then he went to the cross, and how many of you know? After you're nailed to the cross, you don't die of bleeding to death; you die of suffocation. So the Son of God and God the Son hung on a cross, having to press up on the spike that was that was nailed through his feet every time he wanted to get a breath. For hours he endured this until the Bible says he yielded up the ghost. No man took his life from him. How many of you know you can't take the life of God incarnate in the flesh? Listen, he gave his life freely for you. Why'd he do it? Because he's passionate. According to Acts 1-3. Then he went to the grave and the Bible says that he rose again the third day. Why did he endure all that? Because he was passionate. I was watching just last week the national championship game, as I know many of you did. And... I heard Mika Fitzpatrick say something, who's the captain of the defense. He said this, and the Holy Spirit just spoke to my heart and said, so He's preaching in that. And I believe it. He said, um, Emotion will overwhelm you, but passion is linked to purpose and task. I like that. How many of you know it's easy to come in here and have a pep rally on Sunday morning? But if we're not careful, we'll lose that emotion before we walk out those doors we can come and cry on the altar and our eyes are dry before we get back to our seat. Why? Because emotion can overwhelm you, but it really, uh, most of the time, don't change your purpose or your task. Amen? But passion's different. Passion is linked to purpose and task. Jesus, because he was passionate, was willing, listen to me now, to endure all he endured. Because he had a purpose that God the Father had sent him to accomplish. And if not for that purpose, we're all doomed. Now, now, to be honest, we don't have a problem with passion. All of us are passionate about something. Yours may be different than mine, and mine's different than yours because we're different people, but all of us are passionate about something. Some of us are passionate about football. So passionate, we'll sit up to 2 o'clock in the morning watching a football game, knowing we've got to be at work the next morning. Right? And we'd have sat there if it went into 15 overtimes. I'd have been sitting there at time for work if it had kept going on. (laughs) Hey, I'm with you. I'm passionate about it myself, and ain't nothing wrong with that. You love sports? That's great, man. You love football? That's fine. God wants you to enjoy your life. It's not a bad thing to be passionate about things in life. But let me tell you what, 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 what the problem is. We're, we find ourselves missing the mark and losing heart when we are so passionate about a silly football game that don't make a hill of beans, really. Y'all know that, don't you? We're so passionate about that that when we will set up to 2 o'clock in the morning Knowing we ought to be in the bed. But if if church service goes over five minutes after 12 on Sunday morning because the Spirit's moving, you get mad about it. Then we got a problem. Hey, when when I can scream to the top of my lungs, not caring if the neighbor's two miles down the road hears me at 2 o'clock in the morning and wake them up, but I act like I'm lip singing to how great is our God on Sunday morning. Because we don't want nobody else to hear us around us. How passionate are you? Some of you men are passionate about hunting. It's been 25, 26 degrees, feeling like 12 and 9 degrees. I think it it felt like they said 9 degrees this morning. That's cold, don't care who you are. Where you are, that's cold. Now my dad, yesterday morning was in a tree at 5 o'clock in the morning. Anybody, anybody in here out at 5 o'clock yesterday morning? I wouldn't. He was. He told me about it yesterday. But he was sitting in a tree with that wind blowing, and it 5, 6 degrees, and him up there waiting to kill a deer yesterday morning. Let me tell you why. He was willing to endure some suffering because he is passionate about what he is doing. Amen? Ain't nothing wrong with that. You're passionate about hunting, more power to you. Climb that tree when it's five degrees and stay up there all day if you want to. That's okay. Enjoy yourself. Enjoy life. It's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. But let me say this. When you get up at five o'clock in the morning to go sit in a tree 15 foot up with the wind blowing, but you can't find it within yourself to get up on time to come to church on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock for Sunday school, then we got a problem. Some of you are passionate about your job, and that's a good thing. Let me tell you what you do. If tomorrow you had somehow whittled your arm off at the elbow, and there was a one-inch stream of blood shooting out the end of your arm, and you knew you had to be at work, some people are so passionate about their job, they love their job, and that's look okay, they'd be at work if that happened. But you have a hangnail on your baby toe, your pinky toe. Sunday morning. And you hobbling around just like you can't. Oh, my gosh, I just ain't going to think I'm going to make it today. Are you seeing where we got the problem? My wife is passionate about shopping. Pray for me, brothers and sisters. She's willing to endure a little suffering even. Matter of fact, two years ago, I can remember, she's not up here so I can talk about her, her and her, and her sister. But uh, they, they went on um, Black Friday, um, Thursday night, Thanksgiving. They leave usually at 9, 30, 10 o'clock. And I will not see her until the next morning at 7 o'clock. My wife slept in Walmart parking lot in the car. So she could get some good deals on Black Friday. Let me tell you why. She's passionate about it. Nothing wrong with that. Ladies, if you're passionate about shopping, go for it. Not my thing, again. But if that's your thing, that's fine. Enjoy life. But that same passion ought to translate, and even more so, in our service to the Lord. Because, listen, listen, Because of what Jesus did, I've missed hell and gained heaven. Because of Jesus, all the good things I've got, I've got it because of Him. Even the breath in my lungs. Get passionate, quit going through the motions. Something's wrong. We can sing, Oh, How I Love Jesus on Sunday morning. You can't even drag yourself back to church on Sunday night. Uh, let me let y'all in on something. We still have church around here on Sunday night and Wednesday night. I'm just letting you know. Because evidently, we we somebody's forgot. Hey, we've been having a lot. Sometimes on Sunday morning, we'll have 130, 150 people. Sunday night, we might have 25. Come on. Unless we're eating. <laughs> then you'll get here early. Yeah. Come on, Fixing a plate. Passion. Heart. I don't care how gifted you are, child of God. If you're not passionate about what you're doing, you're never going to be effective. You wonder why. God's not working in your life like you want him to. Guess what? You can't expect God's blessing unless you do life God's way. Get faithful. And coming to church is just part of that. That's just the that listen, that's not the ceiling, that's the floor. That's the basic things. Get faithful. I want my kids to know I'm faithful to the Lord above everything else. That's what they need above everything. Let me just go a step further. Listen, some of you are passionate about your kids. Well, praise God, mamas and daddies. Good. We need some passionate mamas and dads. And I'm going to tell you something. If they've got a baseball game or a football game, you're going to make sure they're there. Why? Because they're a part of a team. I understand that. I'm the same way. Hey, my kids have been on a team. I've coached a team. I understand how important it is to have kids there that are important to the team to practice and to be effective for the whole team. Can you say amen? I'm good with that. Be passionate about it. But listen. Listen. When you are so passionate about those things, winning a baseball game or a football game or a soccer game or whatever kind of game, and you're willing to go the extra mile all the way in that stuff, but you will not make them come to church on Sunday, and sometimes you got to. So, say, brothers, you think I ought to make my kids, absolutely ought to make your kids come to church. Sometimes you got to make yourself come to church, don't you? Well, your pastor does too. One time I woke up and man woke up and he said, looked over at his wife. He said, honey, I'm just not going to church today. I don't feel like it. I don't feel like nobody loves me at that church. I don't feel like there's nothing going on at that church. I feel like I'm just going to lay here in the bed today. I, I just don't want to go to church. And she looked back at him and said, honey, you got to go. You're the pastor. Because we're in this flesh from time to time. We want to go our own way and not do what God wants. Let me tell you something. Keep your kids in church. What they need more than anything else is to know that mom and daddy are passionate about Jesus. That makes the difference in every area of their life. Don't miss out on that. I'm going to do one more very quickly. We've talked about spiritual gifts. We've talked about heart or passion. Listen, what about A? A stands for abilities. Physical abilities are different from spiritual gifts. Some of you have the ability to sing. Let me say something. You ought to be using that ability for the honor and glory of God. And thank you to those who do. What a blessing you are to all of us. I don't have that ability. Right? Amen. (laughs) It's all right. Some of you, I had a a, a brother one time that he he worked for a ministry called um, Carpenters for Christ. This brother had the ability to build a house with his his own two hands. And so he'd go all over the country building homes and building churches for the honor and glory of God. He used his ability to be effective in the kingdom. Can you say amen? Amen. Had another brother who was a mechanic. He went to Haiti with us on a mission trip and when he got to Haiti, he worked on their, their vehicles at the compound we were working at down there, we was the, the church we were serving down there. He worked on their vehicles all week. He used that ability to be a blessing to others and to build the kingdom. Now, this this other one, as far as it being a spiritual gift or, a, or an ability, a physical ability, it's kind of a toss-up with me. Some of you have the gift or the ability Of making fried chocolate pies. You ought to use, and and that could be a spiritual gift. I'm, I'm still checking on it. I think it may be over in Leviticus somewhere. Well, that's tucked away, but I'm gonna keep looking. If you can make fried chocolate pies, make them. That's always a blessing. What I'm trying to say to you is this whatever ability you have can be used for God's honor, for his glory to be a blessing to someone else again I can't do what you can do you can't do what I can do but together we can do great things listen it's got to be done with passion you got to put some heart in it everybody stand up brother come on up would you play have that own way can you do that that brother played this this morning for Sunday school and and it just blessed my soul. That should be our prayer. That the Lord has His way in our life. This is your invitation. If you need Jesus in any way, why don't you come? Listen, if you're here today and you've just never been saved, why not today? There's never been a time when you experienced God in such a way that He changed you on the inside and made a difference on the outside. If you know you've not yet been born again, today's the day. If you're not sure whether or not you've been born again, today's the day. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you need him today, you come. You come. I want to share with you what it means to be born again. Walking this aisle, I don't save you. I can't save you and this church won't save you, but I'm sharing the word of God who can save you. And the same Jesus who has saved me Can and will save you. If you need to be saved, you come. If you're a child of God, you say, brothers, I've been lacking on my passion. My passion ain't where it needs to be. Well, join the crowd. We've all been there before. Nobody's exempt. We're all in this flesh. We get worn out, weary. The problems that life causes from time to time happen to all of us. And that can even mess with your passion. Well, today, maybe you need to make that fresh commitment. and Say, Lord, I need you to do so do a work in my heart that in 2018 I follow you with passion like never before. You know, God will do that. Some of you got problem with sin. You can't kick it. You can't get over it. You can't move past it. You can't in your power, but you can in His. The Bible says that if you'll confess your sin to Him, He'll forgive you. Cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Confession means to come in agreement with God. Say, God, I agree with you. You're right. I'm wrong in this. You're right. Would you forgive me? And God, by His grace, will forgive you today. Some of you need to join this church. Some of you need to be baptized. Whatever you need, God is able. God is able. Sing for us. You come.